0: Hi, hey y'all, and welcome to the Bible Bitches Podcast, where we talk about biblical and religious topics from a feminist, comedic perspective. And I'm here with the one Sarah E. Hoff, an awesome agnostic living in L.A. County, California.
1: Uh, yes, I'm talking with Laura Barclay. You guys all know her. She's a Baptist minister and a therapist living in Louisville, Kentucky. And today, we are talking about the Antichrist. Part The If you missed out on episode one, go back and listen to it because it explains the origins of the term and the evolution of the term in the last few millennia up through Protestant Reformation.
0: Uh, Today we're going to focus on the concept of the Antichrist in America and in pop culture. So hold on to your butts.
1: (laughs) No other part of your body, only your your (laughs) butts. Anyways, and maybe share a few special horror stories of our own experiences because as I mean like we kind of covered it in the last episode but Laura and I both have very personal experiences where the story of the antichrist and the mythology around it was taught as actual truth to us in
0: our Christian high school experience yikes yeah so let's get right into it strap on (laughs) strap in
1: I mean, you know, whatever floats <laughs> your boat. We're 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 all about we're all about you just doing you, whatever you know feels what? best.
0: However, you're most comfortable.
1: You get know, ready. I, I mean, be cognizant of your context at the time, but just do you. Be you be your you. best you. Just be your best you. Yeah. That's
0: all we want. <laughs> As the Enlightenment and reason is taking over Europe, people are getting sick of calling each other the Antichrist. It's kind of become this thing of like, uh, no, I no, I am, but what are you, right? Everybody's just calling each other Antichrist. And everybody's seeing it this is overused, it's passe, it's like, stop using that word. But all those Puritans and Anabaptists and Quakers who were Angry at the Church of England and left for the British colonies in America, they were just gearing up. They missed out on everybody being like, this is kind of five minutes ago, so <laughs> we're not going to do this anymore. And they were like, oh, this is our thing. This is our jam. We're just going to keep doing it.
1: The Antichrist's Facebook.
0: The Antichrist's Facebook.
1: In a lot of different ways.
0: It's like the boomers just joined Facebook and then are like, oh my God, this is so cool. That is the Puritans and Anabaptists and Greaters right, right, yeah. in the British qual- colonies, right? And my personal favorite was Roger Williams, a progressive Baptist. I'm a Baptist, y'all, so shout out to Roger Williams. And he was also the founder of Rhode Island in the 17th century who believed in religious liberty for all. This was because he thought a Christian state would eventually lead to the
1: Antichrist.
0: He's not wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Does so the Christian state lead to Trump? Mm, Fair. Mm,
0: preach. <laughs> I am so pro separation of church and state, y'all. Okay, Um, he thought that a a church, uh, a Christian uh, church, sort of state, would eventually lead to the Antichrist happening. So that it was best not to have an official state religion; just keep them separate, and just wait for Jesus to come back and establish the true church, sort it all out. We don't know what's right and wrong, whatever. Like we, we have the example of Jesus, sort of being good to our neighbors and standing up for each other, and that's what we should go with. It's interesting how he got there, right? Because I wouldn't necessarily start with the Antichrist, but whatever. Uh, I love how he functioned under that, because he was totally cool with existing with people of all faiths, and that's how Rhode Island was found. He wanted a place where Native Americans can practice their religion, and Baptists can practice their religion, and really whoever wanted to could do their own thing. Yep. I'm down with that. Um, eh. it's kind of my deal. Well, I
1: Everybody mean, like their own. you know, like such good intentions, mm-hmm. it has spiraled into something totally different. Well,
0: I would say that Rhode Island was good, but then you have these other. So every state kind of had their own deal, right? Like, so he escaped from Massachusetts, and Massachusetts was like Church of England, wasn't yeah, it? or yeah, was it Church of England, or was it? It was more, or it was more Puritan, wasn't it? It was Puritan. Yeah, fucking no. It's it's
1: Pennsylvania's it was all Quakers.
0: Yeah, that's, that one, yeah.
1: And the Shakers, which, obviously. Quakers and Shakers. Quakers and Shakers. <laughs> Quakers and Shakers. But, yeah. but, I mean, like, yeah, but, like, Baptists. I mean, he would just oh. be spiraling in his grave. Oh, no,
0: you're 100% right on Baptists. It's gotten
1: crazy as shit. Yeah,
0: no, Baptists actually did a total 180, because I feel like uh, the, the, at least the Southern Baptists are very hierarchical and, like, you know, oh, we can only believe, like, this one thing, and that's the one right way. I'm not as other Baptist, so let's lampoon them all day. Like.
1: <laughs> Anyways, anyway. so other think- thinkers, like Cotton Mather, which, by the way, best name. Yes. Um, so Cotton Mather thought that the Antichrist destruction was imminent. John Edwards, a preacher of, quote-unquote, sinners in the hands of an angry God fame, originally thought that the end was near during the Great Awakening of the 1740s. Honestly, that makes a lot of sense. That was a very common narrative then, and and very, like, riled people up.
0: Yeah. And just for people that don't know, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God was a sermon that we all learned about. If you grew up evangelical, it was like, you're just dangling like, like part of a web over the flames of hell. <laughs> God's the only thing that's going to save you, but he's mad. He's so mad at you. So mad. He's so mad.
1: Um, And so, in the last episode, we talked about um, a couple of authors. One of them was Bernard McGinn's Antichrist, 2,000 Years of Human Fascination with Evil. So, in that book, McGinn talks about Edwards. And McGinn notes that Edwards was famous for projecting a powerful, American-centered millenarianism. That was to be adopted in various ways by his Protestant successors over the next century or more. What is, what
0: is a So that whole sense of there is going to be a thousand year reign of Christ on earth.
1: Huh. Yeah. So, so when I say that I'm like pre, mid or post millennialist, why are they adding in? Which one are you, Sarah? Why are they adding in an unnecessary R? That just makes it harder to say. Anyways, yeah, I don't know. Just saying, I,
0: I, it's one of those words. Okay. Theologians make up shit. Uh, and so, and as the colonists got more and more angry with the king, uh, Britain's king and Parliament became the Antichrist to the, col- the American colonists. McGinn notes one preacher named Samuel Sherwood equated the beast with quote the corrupt system of tyranny and oppression that has of late been fabricated and adopted by the ministry and Parliament of great britain so basically we talked about how the concept of the antichrist shifted with who was perceived to be the enemy and now in america that's perceived to be britain
1: right so it's basically like whoever you're vying against for government like whoever is empowered governmentally that's who you're vying against
0: pretend you are on an elementary school like it's it's recess time whoever you don't like they're the antichrist
1: right and we're like honestly like we're still, like, we are still continuing that narrative by saying that Trump is an antichrist. Which, like, I'm yeah. not opposed to. Right. At all. Oh, I no, agree. I,
0: like, 100%. And I, but I, yeah. And I always, like, I want to qualify that. I don't think that he is the antichrist because I don't really believe in that concept. I think he is an antichrist and that he is acting in opposition to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ's work of loving your neighbor and trying to uplift those that are oppressed.
1: Well, yeah, I mean agree but to yes, agree. But yes, I
0: get th- I get that what I'm saying is politically charged. 100%. No, but also
1: like agree to agree, but this also I think goes back to that whole idea of like which which set of values are you championing? Absolutely. Is it is it the Ten Commandments or is it the Beatitudes? Right. And so a lot of modern and historical Christian narratives. Fall back on these really prescriptive, ten commandment ideas. Absolutely. When in reality, I think we—if—if uh, if you're a Christian, you need to be focusing on the beatitudes. You need to be like uplifting the poor, the um, right. the meek, the and I, I and like go back. There's an episode in our first season where I have a lot of problems with a the lot beatitudes. Of
0: legit, a lot of legitimate problems with the um.
1: But at the end of the day, we need to be. Giving voice to the voiceless, and the Ten Commandments refuses that.
0: Yeah, if you're a Christian, like I want to, I want to be clear because I think that in Jewish tradition, the Ten Commandments and how they, uh, how a lot of Jewish Jewish sects um, interpret that looks very different than what Christians do. So we're we're really focusing on the Christian context. I didn't know that. Yeah, let's have a rabbi on.
1: I would love that. Let's do that. Let's do it, for sure. Okay. Okay, anyways. um, After Britain was defeated, they obviously weren't the enemy anymore, nor the Antichrist and apocalypticism in the former colonies settled down until the Millerites, later known as Seventh-day Adventists and Mormons, started. These were new American religions and focused on end times and were fueled by conflicts like the Civil War. War. P.S., um, last podcast on the left just did a five-part episode on Mormons, and it's so good. Ooh, I want I mean, listen. Yeah, I love it. Um, I know, I know that like some people don't love like the whole loose conversational feel, but yeah. I really like. But it's a good. So it's really partner. good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would totally get into that. It's it's really in depth. Nice. Yeah, recommend. Um.
0: Cool. So, uh, John Nelson Darby of the Plymouth Brethren began the idea of dispensationalism, or the idea that Christ would rapture believers to heaven. That's right. The rapture is a relatively new concept, but based on a passage in 1 Thessalonians. Many fundamentalists latched onto the concept of the rapture and rolled it into their apocalyptic
1: discourse. I totally forgot about dispensationalism. Mm,
0: the rapture
1: now I'm having flashbacks.
0: Yeah. Um, that's fun.
1: That is. It's exciting. It's so fun. It is. You theological
0: know, I, trauma, it's like the best. It's and by the best, I mean it's the worst and it's real. And if you are experiencing theological trauma in your own life or by listening to this podcast, please call a therapist. A real therapist, not one that's a Christian counselor, yeah. but one that is like an LMFT or an LCSW or an LPC or a psychologist. Or a psychiatrist. Any of those are fine. Go to psychologytoday.com. <laughs> That's my PSA right now, and yeah. I will get off my soapbox. I oh, don't
1: know. We yeah. just want everybody to yeah. live a good life and yes. trauma. And be healthy. Yeah, and be healthy.
0: Yeah. Be good to yourself. Yeah.
1: Um, anyways, mainline denominations abandoned the idea of the Antichrist because... Rationalization of the Enlightenment had worked its way through church, and many educated Christians realized calling people the Antichrist was done for roughly two thousand years, and it wasn't new.
0: It's so old.
1: It's so it's so old, but it's also, again, like I, I'm gonna keep harping on it. It is it is referencing an anxiety of like what is the power at the time.
0: Absolutely, it's a way to sort of yeah, if you're anxious about what's happening then you can just easily shorthand be like that's the antichrist right and you're and nervous about it
1: right yeah. and and also like it offers a kind of like bizarre hope where it's supposed the statement is that like even if there's even if there's tribulation if you're a post millennialist there is hope there is a like glorified afterlife mm-hmm. and so i can see how this would be really popular in this sort of like 1920s, 1930s era.
0: Yep, absolutely. So fundamentalists got more fuel when Israel achieved statehood in 1948 because there was a belief that the temple had to be rebuilt in order for the events to, uh, of the apocalypse to take place. This is why many conservative fundamentalist Christians are so intent on supporting a Jewish state, not actually, unfortunately, because they care about the Jewish people, or you know, caring for uh, what does, making sure a Holocaust never happens again, and what is best for both Jews and Palestinians. It's hey, we need Jews to rebuild that temple and cause chaos uh, everywhere, uh, so that we can get our end of the world to happen and Jesus to come back with laser beam
1: eyes. <laughs> laser beam eyes are the only eyes. Um, <laughs> Truth. And McGinn states that. Three imminent events frame the apocalypticism that form the basis for modern fundamentalist expectations of the end. The rapture of believers to heaven, the tribulation, or the time with the Antichrist in charge, and the millennium, which is a thousand-year reign of Christ on earth.
0: One candidate fundamentalists liked for the Antichrist was Benito Mussolini as this harkened back to Rome rearing its ugly head. They also hated the League of Nations and later the UN because they thought this was a false body that would produce the Antichrist. Other other major events like the atomic bomb were seen as signs of the end.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, so many things were seen as signs of the end. Mm-hmm. Like, there was anxiety and fear over credit cards, as that mm-hmm. was supposed to be the mark of the beast. And Absolutely. then chips and the credit cards were supposed to be mark of the beast. Like, I think even checks before that.
0: Yeah. every Basically, every new uh sort of sign of that time every new sort of I think everything technology. that
1: technology well yeah like anything that would identify you individually so like, like your social cell phone Sarah yeah or, or like social security numbers
0: yeah Ooh.
1: you know like mm-hmm. all of these things were there's anxiety about being singled out
0: you and I are wearing glasses maybe there's serial numbers on those probably marks of the beast.
1: Every new generation of fundamentalists in America appears to have adapted an apocalyptic message for a new age, each new age. Updated the signs of the end time, wars in the Middle East, the Evan of the credit card, yep. And like, and also like, I mean, just from my own personal experience, all kinds of things like um, you know, they manufactured a red calf in the Middle East. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yes, yes. And like and and like, you know, there is a a a lot of fundamentalist communities or institutions are giving money to um Israeli Israeli because they
0: want to rebuild the third temple, because they see that as like for some yeah. reason the last sign before.
1: Well, yeah, because one of the last things that one of the last things that needs to happen is for um, Israel to peacefully gain back its land, mm-hmm. and so there is a, it's a weird kind of deal where fundamentalist Christians really want that end to come.
0: So they're puppeteering. So they're puppeteering,
1: yes, yeah, exactly. they're
0: puppeteering. Yes, exactly. Puppeteering like an Israeli state to make it happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um it's, wild. it's so it's so bizarre and then like but also with that you can you can like sort of they're trying to manufacture a context but they can't own it individually because then that would be suicide and that's like a whole bizarre thing. Uh, it's dumb yeah. anyways. It's wild. It's like really once you get into it it's just it's a lot. It's insane.
0: Uh, McGinn also notes that the idea of the Antichrist eventually spilled over into secular areas like novels and movies. And he cites Rosemary's Baby about the birth of the Antichrist and the omen horror films about Damien as the Antichrist as two prime examples. Um, Are there any other films that you really like in that genre of the Antichrist?
1: I mean, I actually have never seen rosemary's baby or the omen but it's again i'm gonna go ahead and, and plug the thief in the night <laughs> but also like good omens yeah. which like isn't my favorite neil gaiman novel but it's it's just it's just a fun ride mm-hmm. and, and it's also a show now isn't it like amazon or something i think like it's that? on amazon yeah. yeah but it's also you know it's a fun take on the antichrist a
0: fun new quirky take yes. um where are
1: we so, Who knows? Um, in terms of books, you have fundamentalists on one side with the Left Behind series and later movies, like, with all, any Kurt Kammer movie, really. Yeah, like <laughs> all of them. Um, it's fine. Also, do you remember Frank Peretti?
0: Oh! <gasps> I have not thought (laughs) about Frank Peretti in at least a decade.
1: Yeah, but he was very apocalyptic. It was all this idea of, like, demons seeping into the everyday, right? And it was always, like, sort of, like, they were described in very, like, black tar, kind of like a a substance, you know what I mean? I feel like
0: there was a a book of his I read where they found some sort of... um, it was almost like a a pit to hell or something, and it was like an archaeology-themed kind of thing, because <laughs> he wrote these young adult novels, right? Uh, they were these very conservative, sort of evangelical young adult mm-hmm. no- adventure novels, mm-hmm. and I remember really liking it, because it was very like Indiana Jones, but it was also really creepy and scary, because it was almost like these kids had found a portal to hell. Right. It, the, the stakes are always, like, ridiculously high and very anxious, anxiety-inducing. So, uh, at the end of McGinn's book on the Antichrist, he asks, Is the Antichrist irrelevant? I personally would say no, and I really like two examples that he uses. One is the psychiatrist Carl Jung, who is writing from a therapeutic stance, noting that... The Antichrist is not just a prophetic prediction, but an inexorable psychological law. By this, McGinn notes, quote, "...the totalitarian ideologies of the 20th century, such as Nazism, were the external projections of the psychological denial of the Antichrist within." In other words, we can't always be looking externally for the Antichrist, but reconcile the shadow side of ourselves with the light side to avoid demonizing others. McGinn also notes that we can't solely internalize the Antichrist as one theologian Rudolf Boltmann did, but interpret it communally as theologian Paul Ricoeur suggests, who notes the power of these symbols in order to inspire and unite people. So basically, if I were to summarize all that even like more, I would say that I love Carl Jung. I'm a therapist. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you just brought in, like, two new theologians. Yes, like, right I did. I just, like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Three, So actually. I,
0: I want to – Carl Jung um, was really writing this from a totally psychological so Carl Jung really loved symbolism mm-hmm. and thought that universally there were these symbols, right, that people that were very powerful across religion and cross-human experience. So, like, he liked tarot, for example, yeah. because he thought – This is people interpreting images in order to organize their own future, Mm -hmm. right? And he actually used tarot in therapy, which is really exciting. Um,
1: Yeah, well, and also it just makes sense because that's actually, that transcends, like, the East and the West. Right. Anyways. He
0: was sort of looking for a universal idea of symbolism, right? We all have nightmares. Frequent nightmares would be snakes, bears, that kind of thing. And those all have some sort of meaning. Mm Mm-hmm across culture, right? And so he, so he's basically saying that we have to reckon with this idea of a human evil. And if we don't, then we end up with Nazis, right? Because we are basically saying that evil is without. It's not within us. It's somewhere out there. And so we can demonize other people like Jews, right? We can say people that aren't like us, we can we can put evil on them. And what Carl Jung is saying, I think, is that we have to, because one of his best friends, for at least for a while until they had a falling out, was Freud, and Freud yeah. had to escape um, Austria for safety. Right, he had to um, flee to England. Um, so I think what he's saying is that we have to reckon with the fact that we have evil within us, we have darkness within us, and we have to engage with that so that we don't sublimate it and. Therapeutic terms, shove it down, and then put it on other people, people that might have less power in our society. So I really like that as a therapist. I probably like that more than I even like the theologians' ideas. I think I don't really like uh, the Boltmann point by saying that, you know, it's, it's just internal, that's it. Paul Ricoeur is saying that there are symbols that are uni- universal, and we have to talk about them. So I think he's kind of agreeing with um, Carl Jung in that, that there is universality to the Antichrist.
1: Right. I mean, I think what Rikora is doing is, I mean, there is a lot of discussion within that that kind of like 1930s to 1960s, I would say. Yeah, there's a lot of
0: shit there that happened that they had to respond
1: to, right? Right, but also just with the idea of symbolism, there was that was a new concept that a symbol is not exactly what it seems, so you have um fucking uh what's his name um, Heidegger, mm-hmm. who's talking about like w- the name for the thing doesn't necessarily describe the thing mm. a chair what is a chair right, right. and so then you have record after that who's coming in and being like well, let's talk about the symbolism and if it doesn't really mean the thing and then, like, what is the thing? How do we name the thing? And then also how do we name the symbol for the thing? It's a whole fucking shit show. Mm -hmm. And then this is also coming in to, like, also within this time is, um, like, technological things that are coming into play that they couldn't have considered before, pictures is a huge Mm -hmm. thing and then like the ethical meaning of pictures and what that looks like in different cultures and how it's a whole it's just like that's just
0: there's so much happening
1: yeah there's so much happening
0: so in that realm do you think the antichrist is irrelevant
1: I think that the antichrist holds power in so far as it's a common cultural myth Mm. you know um so
0: how do you use that myth or not use it
1: Well, I think that we first need to um, identify the anxiety, the why of it, right? And then we would need to address that why. I I honestly, like, I don't know if we can. I mean, the why is so, like, it's so snowballed right now. Environmentalism impacts, like, we really are, like, on the cusp of what could be an apocalyptic future where we do lose 30% of our auction, 30% of our food supply, 30% of our water, you know, like those things could legitimately happen. I was actually just reading a news article where, where they were talking about the need for, you know, climate change scientists to have space to feel emotional because it's so, It's so raw. It's so significant. It's so current. It's so like snowballed into something that we can't, we can't respond to.
0: I have this sort of running joke with my friends. They think that I should write a uh, sort of ironic novel about this, but it is, it's what if the conservatives from our childhood were right, and there is, you know, this whole rapture that's going to happen and a millennial reign of Jesus with a uh, tribulation that happens before it, right? We're at a time of trial. But <laughs> I was laughing because I was thinking, like, what if Trump is the Antichrist, right? And uh, all, basically progressive Christians, atheists, agnostics, uh, any people of any religion that is not fundamentalist, they all get raptured. <laughs> And conservatives are left to deal with the fact that, uh, like sure the, ca- the capitalists, have destroyed the world, <laughs> mm. and then they have to figure out how to how to like save it in order to, uh,
1: you know, not go somewhere bad. I actually think that would make a really good graphic novel. <laughs> Wouldn't it be hilarious? That would be a really good graphic because novel because they because then
0: people who are really individualistic, because I, I conservative Christians. Who are pro-capitalist tend to be very individualistic, right? Then they would have to figure out how to work together in order to solve a problem. So they but, okay. then then they redeem themselves, but they have because they have to learn a lesson.
1: And like, what if? <laughs> just gonna snowball. Spitball. Just like, yeah. Yeah. Um. What if the Antichrist isn't just one person? What if it is like the four horsemen of a, the apocalypse, where Ooh. it's like Trump, Putin,
0: Giuliani. Giul- <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not that important.
1: No, it's got to be somebody from like South America, and then like
0: oh, like Brazil's president, who's like fuck the rainforest. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and then also like who is in charge oh, of China?
0: No, no, no. Well, I was actually just gonna say like Kim Jong Un because he's just like oh, what? I'll just fucking bomb something like whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, no, nah, he's too naive to have a significant impact.
0: Yeah,
1: I think yeah, it's got to no, be maybe, like Chinese. Chinese.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and so. Yeah, I mean, like, that would just be fun. Yeah. I, I think. I
0: also, but I also wouldn't want it to be very holier than now, where I'm just making yeah. fun of conservatives for the sake of it. Like, but I would want it to sort of turn around. Like, I, you know, I experienced a lot of like, liberals are gonna destroy everything and they're gonna go to hell. And like, I would want it to be funny. Yeah. I would want it to be funny, but not like, you know, just be a jerk about it.
1: No, I think you could do it really well. I think that would be really fun. Yeah. But anyways, we got got to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up. We could go on for days. We could.
0: And we are. So this begins a 24-hour marathon. No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) FYI, after this, I'm going to ask you if you've read Zombie Jesus. It's hilarious. No,
0: I have not, but now I want to. Yeah,
1: you should. It's a graphic novel. It's great. I'm going to plug it. Good. It needs a sequel.
0: Good. Anyways. Uh, I want you to tell us – dear listener, what you think about the, the Antichrist. Who is it? When are they coming? What happens? What do you think about the Antichrist? What was your experience with the Antichrist? Have All you the seen
1: the... Have you encountered the Red Calf? <laughs> yes.
0: Have you had an experience with the Red Calf? Um, let us know What at, does its
1: meat taste like? Mm, yes.
0: We need to know. That's These gross. are the hard-hitting facts. Uh, please slide into our DMs or just message us at BibleBitches on Twitter, or on our Bible Bitches fan page on Facebook. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Please subscribe and give us one of those five-star ratings. Five-star. Five-star.
1: Yeah. And a big shout-out to Engage Gays and um, for hosting us on their website. And, of course, Erin at Erin Doodles. We love you so much. And Yo Eves for um, letting us use her music for the intro and outro. Best music. And... Love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.